This is the Office Manager Diaries, a podcast all about the highs and the lows of professionals in office management around the world. We'll delve into their career journeys and diaries where they'll share their stories, tips for success and only things office managers understand. Enjoy and please remember to give us a follow. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Office Manager Diaries with Hannah Gray. I'm really delighted today to welcome Laura Hall-Wilson, who is the Office Manager and Parliamentary Assistant to the Right Honourable Michelle Donnellan, MP. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for joining me. We've had some tech issues, so I am thrown off. But hello, Laura. Hi. Thank you so much for asking me. Pleasure. It's really good to have you on. And Yes, apologies for um for my muffling there at the start. We've had to re recut, but that's podcast life of our life, as I was just saying to Laura. So my Wi-Fi's decided to go right in the middle of this, but we're all good. We're carrying on because we're professional. So Laura, you have had a really mixed career so far to kind of dive straight into into it. A chartered surveyor before this role that you're in now, and a land agent and more beyond that. Tell us a little bit more about your roles to date, if you can, please, and how you got into office management where you are now. Yeah, so um, so I went to the Royal Agricultural College um, in Cirencester and did rural land management, which is an RICS accredited degree. So um, I then went on from there and qualified as a chartered surveyor and was working as a land agent. Um, I did that for a few years whilst I was qualifying um, and it's it's a sort of it's a rural role it's um, I was based up in Norfolk um, I then moved to London still still surveying but in more of an asset management role and that was a split role because I was swapping really between rural land management and a more commercial land management role so it was a um I took a hybrid role which was also office management um and actually whilst I was there I sort of found that I quite enjoyed the office management side of it so um I stayed there until just before the Brexit referendum in 2016 um where I was made redundant which was very sad because I love the love the firm um I'm still in, still in touch with them a little bit um and then I went to go and work briefly for CCHQ which is the conservative campaign headquarters in London um and it was great it was a really exciting role really different and then from there, sort of moved further into, into her politics and more on the parliamentary side. I worked briefly for another MP, um, which was sort of a stepping stone, really. And then when this role came up with Michelle, it was very near where I grew up. It was very near where my parents lived. Um, it was at a, a time in my life when most of my friends were moving out of London. Lots of people were moving sort of west into the countryside and um the timing just worked really well for me. So um, I interviewed for the role, got on really well with my boss um, and was really lucky to be to be offered the role. So, And then the rest is history. I've been here five years now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And your boss is Michelle. You report directly into into her. Yeah. Yeah. Boss, boss is Michelle. Um, I report directly into her. Um, and she has been the Member of Parliament for the Chippenham constituency for seven years now so um wow she's yeah so she was mp a few years before before i was um and she's whilst i've been with her she has gone from being a backbencher to being a government whip to being a junior minister in the department for education to being 
where she is now, which is Secretary of State for Science, Innovation and Technology. So um, it's been a busy few years. <laughs> yeah, I bet. It must be so interesting. And I can't wait to ask some of the other questions that I've got lined up for you. But you said something there at the start when you were in that hybrid role where you had some of the rural charter surveyor responsibilities and the commercial side, and, and that's where you had your first office management taster, I suppose. What was it that you enjoyed about office management, as you said, and, and sort of found it and thought, oh, I quite like this. What were the things that, that you enjoyed that led you to, to actively seek out that role? I think um, I enjoyed the varied elements of the role. No day is really the same. You're sort of, you're dealing with lots of different things and you're dealing with lots of different people across the business that's quite different from, from where I am now because it was it was in a much larger business so um you're dealing with lots of different people different departments um and I quite like that it sort of it suited the way my brain worked sort of jumping around a little bit and um you know meeting lots of different people whereas in the professional role you were still meeting different people but in a but in a slightly different capacity you were sort of I, I found I was doing very much the same thing day to day um whereas the management role gave me a bit bit more really yeah I think that's what draws a lot of people to it isn't it that variety no two days the same if you're a bit of a procrastinator the jumping between tasks kind of suits that personality as well to sort of oh I can quickly do this and do that and multitask and so on so yeah it does it does seem to attract those types of people that think oh yeah I quite like the flavors in here it's you know it's a whole ice cream counter not one or two flavors to choose from so <laughs> this episode of the office manager diaries is sponsored by fooditude an office caterer with a twist these folks cook fresh food from scratch in their central production kitchen in london varied menus and hot meals can be delivered directly to your canteen by their fleet of vans Fooditude is a one-stop shop taking care of meals, pantry services, coffee concepts and much more. All of this and you don't even need a kitchen on site, meaning that you can save space and reduce on your labour costs. Their clients keep returning for more because their food is delicious, trust me I have tried some, and helps build a company culture like nothing else. Employees are now working more flexibly than ever. So Fooditude has designed its service to be just that, flexible. And you can quickly flex up or down the service based on the amount of people at your site. Fooditude offers delicious and constantly changing menus made with sustainability in mind. See how you can bring your team together around the lunch table by visiting www.fooditude.co.uk and quote the OMD when reaching out. Thank you for sponsoring this episode. How do you think the role differs perhaps from a typical office management role in a typical office in London where, you know, you've got 100 staff and you're the office manager? How do you think working specifically within Parliament um, and the government side of that <laughs> differs to this sort of typical office management role that, that a lot of people will be in? Within Parliament, you there are 650 MPs um, and each MP has their own office so each office is sort of a small satellite of parliament um for, for want of a better expression um and each mp is given a staffing budget and, and an accommodation budget and from that it's it's at the mp's discretion as to how they staff their office um and there's really good reasons for that because each mp represents very different constituencies so some will be in 
central London, where the constituency is geographically very small. Most of their members of staff will be based within Westminster. They'll just be working from from within inside the palace. Um, and then you've got MPs as far up as sort of Shetland and the Orkney Isles, who will have a completely different. They will probably have a you know a huge constituency geographically, um, but perhaps not as many constituents. That leads me on something slightly, which we've just had boundary changes, which is interesting. So that the idea is that every MP represents the same number of constituents so that um, there's sort of balanced representation. But what that does mean in terms of office management is that you're managing a small team within a much larger framework. I found that it could be quite isolating unless you go out and seek opportunities to meet up with um, your colleagues. Um, and, and actually the Houses of Parliament, who we're not employed directly by, but support us, are very, very good at outreach and making sure that office managers and parliamentary staffers are well connected, that there are good support networks, that there's there's a minefield of information to help us. It's a, it's a unique place to work and you have to work at making those connections and getting the information. But once once you're helped a little bit, it's it's a really amazing place to work. Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem so different because I, the, the way I can, I suppose, liken it to anything I've ever worked in is like JP Morgan where it's this huge company and you've got your own departments and everybody's responsible for their own budget within those departments and things but it's it's very very different at the same time so yeah it must be quite an interesting profession to be in but then in terms of the sector and where you're based and everything else it it must be really really interesting to, to see all of that from the inside so on to that you are incredibly active on LinkedIn um, and you get to go to some fantastic events. I've seen some over the last couple of weeks, given we're recording this just before the festive period, um, but it will obviously be out. This will be out in January. But how do you find those events and what sort of things have you been to recently? If you can tell us more about that, please. So they don't they don't happen all year round, but um, there is a lot going on in Parliament. And I work, I do generally one day a week in Parliament and then four days a week in the constituency. Um, and one of the things as a manager I'm quite keen on doing is encouraging the rest of my team to make sure that they get up to Westminster on a regular basis and that they are all uh, welcome and, you know, they know that they can go to those events as and when they come up, because one of the challenges that has been identified for parliamentary staffers is for those working in constituencies a long way away from Westminster, that they can feel a bit of a disconnect from time to time. And so the events that you um, refer to, I think the one I went to last week was organised by uh, Mr. Speaker, who is uh, Sir Lindsay Hoyle, who is an absolutely lovely man. You'll have seen him sitting in his chair at the head of the House of Commons, um, keeping the MPs under control. He's not afraid to sort of shout at them from time to time and tell them when they're uh, overstepping the mark. Um, but he is a really lovely man. And one of his responsibilities is, is looking after staff across the House of Commons and across Parliament. So he organised a really lovely carol service for us last week in his house, which is in the Palace of Westminster, just overlooking the Thames. If you walk over Westminster Bridge, looking towards the Houses of Parliament, he's sort of the first big window on the left as you walk over. Um, so that was great. And that's one of the things that really helps for our small units of uh, MPs offices to be able to talk to other staffers, to um, make introductions, and then you go on to be able to sort of identify 
problems, stuff that other people have encountered in their jobs. And it's super useful to be able to bounce that off other offices from time to time and work out how they might have solved the problem. Yeah, I mean, it's a network, isn't it? And the the importance of networking, I've spoken about it a lot on the podcast and in all sorts of things we have on the portal and training courses and so on. Having that network is crucial, especially when you are, you know, geographically quite isolated in these bigger constituencies from other departments. And and even though the technology is there, it's very different, I think, having face to face time with people. Definitely. Um, And I think, you know, we're quite lucky. I'm here in Chippenham today. I'm in the constituency, but I'm an hour and 10 minutes on the train from Paddington. So actually, you know, some people do that commute across London um, just to get mm. to the office. So for us, you know, we're, we're quite well connected to Westminster. There are constituencies that are much further away and, and it is quite hard for them sometimes. Like from time to time, you know, we deal with quite difficult casework. Um, we deal with people who are in, you know, desperate need of help from their member of parliament. And sometimes the problems, you might never have encountered them before, but to have that strong network, which is facilitated by the social events that go on in Westminster, just enables us to do our jobs that much better. Yeah, I bet. It's funny, I did, did an office move in Westminster last week. And so I have been past the Houses of Parliament and Mr. Speaker's house, which I didn't know was actually there many times lately. So, um, yeah, need to look out for it next time. Yeah, it's a lo- lovely place to live. So tell me more about what is involved in a typical weekday month for you. What sort of duties do you have? Um, you know, what are the typical responsibilities within your role? So it varies quite a lot from MP to MP. um, And that's something I alluded to earlier in terms of um, constituency, but it also um, can vary slightly based on where your MP sits across the Commons. So you've got, obviously, at the moment, we've got the Conservative Party and Labour Party, who are the main opposition. So there will be staffers for opposition MPs, there'll be staffers for government MPs. But within the Conservatives, you've also got government and backbench. So the backbenchers have slightly different roles and then the government MPs have slightly different roles so I work for a member of parliament who is obviously a very active member of the government she sits in the cabinet as well um so she is extremely busy um which has its own challenges for us as an office but it's also an incredible privilege to work for somebody who is that dedicated and that hardworking. So my role really is to support her as much as I possibly can to make sure that her constituency office and her constituents are continue to be well represented by her. Um, so it's my role to manage her inbox and her correspondence. I make sure that urgent cases are flagged with her. We do, we're quite an active office. So we do a lot of other kind of, as well as the sort of bread and butter stuff, we do a lot of events. Um, I'm currently organising a careers fair for January, which um, we invite local schools and colleges to. We do, um, we're actually doing a a cutest pet competition. (laughs) So she's currently trying to find Chippenham's cutest Christmas pet. um, Darn it, I'm in Essex. I would have entered. My dog (laughs) is cute. (laughs) That is hilarious though. Who came up with that idea? Um, That'll be the boss. (laughs) Wow. She is full of ideas, which which is partly what I attribute to her success in government because she's like, She's always coming up with ideas and new ways to do things and new ways to keep in touch with people. And so that's really sort of my job for her is to make sure that those ideas are delivered upon. 
Um, and the whole purpose of those is kind of outreach. Um, she's uh, very open about the fact that when she came to uh, think about being an MP, one of the reasons she wanted to do it is because she said, you know, she, for example, like people like my parents would never have gone to an MP with their problem. She said, but the likelihood is an MP could have solved problems. And she said, you know, I think that a lot of people don't know that. And so one of her biggest things is making sure that she's really accessible and people know where she is. And so she sort of, you know, so that's why we do sort of cutest pet competitions for, you know, it's it's not always just to find the cutest pet, but it's to make sure people know who she is and where she is. And, you know, if you've got any problems or anything that you think we can help with, then come and find us. So, um, so my role really is to facilitate all that kind of stuff and um, make sure that she is representing her constituents to the best of her ability. And in terms of the physical office there, I can see a stack of paperwork behind you. I'm assuming it's probably branded comp slips and things like mm. that by the looks of it. Am I right? She's pulling one. House of oh, Commons. It's, yeah, <laughs> House of Commons envelopes and things. It's sad, isn't it? But yeah. we all love a bit of stationery. So is all of that supplies, service providers, the office itself, health and safety, you know, those kind of things typically that we see, are they in your remit as well as perhaps other things? Yes, they are. That's sort of slightly where there's a crossover between my role as a parliamentary assistant and an office manager. So the parliamentary assistant stuff is is very much sort of um, doing the careers fair, doing the key spec competition, doing the uh, drafting correspondence. The office management role, a lot of it is very similar to any other office management role. It's, yeah, it's, it's stationary. It's making sure everyone's computers work. It's making sure that the rent is paid. It's making sure that the lights stay on. It's making sure that, um, you know, people's contracts are up to date and they're going to get paid. And it's 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 all of that kind of stuff as well um, within the unique framework of Parliament and working for a member of Parliament and all the kind of democratic issues um, that, that we, we face. So um, full on. I'm I'm like having sleepless nights just thinking about <laughs> how much you must have to do. It's incredible. So how do you juggle both of those roles the assistant side the office management side all the duties under both and prioritize the demands on each so uh, it, it can be really tricky um and there are some days where you come in and you just think i just don't quite know where to start because there's an awful lot i've got to get done um i think the best thing that um i can do on a morning like that is just take a deep breath and write a list and that's the first thing i do write a list and then and then triage it there's always going to be stuff that can wait and it might be at the forefront of your mind because it's the last thing someone called you about but actually in terms of urgency it's probably not always the most urgent thing so yeah so definitely take a deep breath write a list and then rank it um and it might not even be that you need to get that thing done that day as long as it's done that week then then it's okay and then I think the overarching thing is if the boss calls pick it up <laughs> Because it could then flip your list upside down again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've all been there. And that's the priority, isn't it? Right there, the boss. So, yeah, I mean, is there anything else in particular in terms of tips or advice that you would give to people who are sitting in that hybrid role where they have the assistant side, they have the office management side? Because I get asked that an awful lot where, again, in particular, when we're doing office management training, which is very office management led, 
and there are people in there in those courses who have an assistant role and it often comes up and they say how do I juggle both because I'm trying to get my office management stuff done like the health and safety policies that I've never written or whatever else it might be but I've always got two diaries to manage and they're always hectic and it's always demanding how how do you go about managing that I think um, with the best one in the world, it doesn't always work. But I think if you can try and set aside maybe a couple of afternoons a week to do the management stuff. So, you know, for example, every Thursday afternoon, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do I'm going to do invoices and I'm going to do expenses. Then you know that you have that time every week to do that part of the role. It then means that other things tend to fall in line with that. And that doesn't always work. Like I say, you might get a phone call on Thursday lunchtime that says, I really need to do this right now. And then that goes out of the window. But if you can generally try and have that framework week by week, other people then tend to recognise it as well. So they might think, I won't call her because I know that's her afternoon to do expenses. So if you can try and set your own framework and your own timetable, um, it can be really, really helpful. Yeah, and I, I find the same people often fall in line with that, especially if you have time blocking in your diary and they've got access to that or they get used to your rhythm and routine you know and especially if you can mirror it I guess to that of your executive or your boss as you refer to Michelle then you know if you know every Thursday she's got an hour where she has to do this certain thing and that gives you that time because you know she's not going to be calling you unless it's really really urgent yeah. you know and you can mirror that that um, habit that they're they're um, showing and portraying into yours as well for your own workload so yeah great advice what would you say have been your biggest hurdles to overcome to date during your time in this profession so far gosh um I mean time management is always going to be one of them but having that framework kind of kind of helps um I think I think sometimes it can be sort of an MP never stops work they they are 24-7 their brains are firing 24-7 so sometimes it can be quite challenging when you're sort of having your weekend or your evenings um and you're kind of having to deal with stuff I I personally don't mind doing it but sometimes it can be a bit of a challenge explaining to family why I'm going to have to just take half an hour in front of my laptop because I know that if I sort it then and there, it's it's one thing I'm not going to have to sort next week. So I think probably, yeah, time management and managing expectations at home as well um, is, is is a challenge. That's the thing, isn't it? Because it's it's not empathy as such for your role, but it's understanding the position you're in when you're in these roles, even in a typical office management role in whatever sector, you are generally on call 24-7 because you have a physical building that you're often responsible for or certainly a floor or two on that building that, you know, if it goes up in smoke, for example, you've got to react or if there's a theft or whatever, you know, if the alarm's going off and all these things that people in our profession get called out for quite typically overnight, your the education around your role to family and friends and so on is, can be quite important when you are being pulled in at all sorts of hours or having to do these things because time time matters in in these roles and and assets and people matter as well so yeah it can be quite quite challenging where do you want to be in your career what's in the future for you are you a lifer now in office management and and in parliament is this is this you have you found your calling um I don't know you know <laughs> where if um I mean I've been here five years and I absolutely love my role 
we uh, we're coming up to a general election. Um, we all know that that's going to be at some point before uh, before January 2025. So um, we are going to we will obviously go into that all guns blazing. I think um, I think my boss is a is a brilliant uh, member of parliament, and I think she rightly deserves to be returned to office. And she has she has committed to um, standing for office again. So. Um, but with the best will in the world, you, you're never 100% sure what's going to happen. So um, you might be, um, you know, that 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 might change things. But uh, I, I don't think it, I don't think it will particularly. Um, I, you know, never take the uh, take the position for granted. But um, but I I love Parliament and I love um, I love working for an MP. So I think whatever role I had in the future, I would like to try and stay in quite quite close touch. Um, and, and there's a lot going on in and around Westminster, which even if you weren't working directly for a member of parliament, you can still be involved uh, in some way, you know, sort of in media or um, public affairs, government affairs. A lot of a lot of big firms have, um, you know, government affairs departments where, um, you know, the, the, the sort of the expertise that's come out of someone working from parliament is is really, really useful for them. But I think... I do love the office management side of it and I do love um, having that oversight. So um, I think whatever role I had in the future, it would have to have some element of that. Be broad, big and broad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is the thing when you find it, if you like it, it's it's hard to move away. I've, I've had so many assistants in my time who, or sort of office managers, you know, that I've managed or that I've known who have gone to just EA assistant roles and they're like, oh my God, I miss, I really miss the office management side. Of course, there's people who, who do that and they're like, never office management again. But there are a lot that really miss that variety and that. I think it's the autonomy as well that people get and the responsibility and accountability that doesn't always come with the typical assistant role that people quite like as well. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Like the yeah, autonomy and responsibility and knowing that... Um, you know the kind of the buck stops with you to get this stuff done and that you're responsible for the the you know the smooth running of the office i think is is hugely rewarding um and i think in whatever role it was i would sort of gravitate towards those kind of roles so even if i didn't end up in an office management role i think i might end up absorbing some some of those responsibilities into a role like that sort of i could just see that happening <laughs> yeah drawn to it yeah Trackers, trackers and more trackers. I talk about trackers so much and I've already mentioned some, I believe, so far in the tips that I've shared on the Office Manager Diaries podcast, but I'm going to talk about it in general now. So what I mean by trackers isn't necessarily Excel sheets galore or Google Sheets. There are tools out there like Smartsheet and also SharePoint. If you've got access to those, there might be other platforms that you can use to do it. But getting these in place and planting the tools at your fingertips in our roles is so important. You can have things like supplier trackers. So you detail all of the suppliers and service providers within your role um, whether you use them every now and then or, you, you know, it's like your cleaning company that are coming in regularly and you put in there who they are, their contact details, what they do for you, whether you're in a contract with them and separately or 
built into that if you wish to you can have all your contract dates so start and end dates notice periods and it will allow you to stay on top of this the amount of times that I have joined roles and seen new contracts signed or kind of automatically roll over and even now I have people saying oh we've missed the cutoff for our notice on the lease or on this contract and now we're in for another year and we're really not happy with the service it's you know SHIT and we're not happy but we can't get out of it make sure that you have all that information in advance you get really super organized here so that you don't find yourself in those situations where you've missed those dates and those important um, termination rights the office information again for leased and serviced offices including your rates and insurance it might also include your square footage how much you pay per square foot and then you can also put a clever calculator in there to work out what you're paying per person in your office health and safety trackers and staff training including DSE assessments. You could have all that in one or separately. Um, this can also include your first aid and fire marshal dates of people who are in those roles and when their training runs out, but also all the training required for health and safety and all the things that you need to do in terms of your mechanical and engineering requirements under health and safety, your life safety system checks and tests and when they're due and who runs them. Um, even if it's the landlord, just having this sort of central tracker. Again, there is a great template. There's templates for all of these things on the office management portal. But in particular, I really like the one we set up for the annual office health and safety checklist. It's got the fire risk assessment on there, PAT testing, staff training reminders um, for like health and safety refreshers, fire safety, yeah, emergency light testing, all sorts of things like that on there. There's so much you can add and take it. Um, health and safety management, like the policy updates and system tests, all of that can go in there. And then your stock taking and um, checks, you can have a tracker for that. So what's the minimum stock numbers that you want? And, you know, once a week, once a month, you go in, if you're below that minimum number, you order the difference. Again, you can set the sheets up so it calculates it all for you. Maybe empower your cleaning team to do the stock check checks of stuff, particularly if they're the consumables in the kitchen and things. Um, there are endless opportunities to get trackers in place and get really, really super organized in your role. It is how I survived the nearing 15 plus years in office management. Trackers galore. Now, my, my favorite segment in the Office Manager Diaries podcast, which is your you won't believe it, but moment. Can you give us an extract from your office management diary, please, Laura? So um, you won't believe it, but I voluntarily walked 87 miles down the Kennet Navan Canal with my boss over three days. <laughs> As like the charity for what? what? <laughs> Tell us more. We did it for charity. She uh, so this is another one of one of her ideas. She is an ideas lady. She came in one day and there was there was um. There's a preschool in the constituency who were really struggling with the building that they were in. It just wasn't fit for purpose. It was, it was leaking. It was um, they were struggling to get funding. Um, there were sort of various um, ownership issues surrounding it. So it sort of the land was owned by one person, the business was owned by someone else. Et so so um, so we decided. Well, my boss decided that we needed to step in and do something to help. So she said, "I've got it." She said, "We are going to walk the." length of the Kennet and Avon Canal and I said um okay count me in <laughs> so so we did and we raised um many thousands of pounds for them um from donations and sponsorship and that sort of thing but uh yeah 
two days in with a day to go, I was thinking, what on earth did I sign up for? <laughs> and was it just the two of you or did other people from the office do it? No, her, her husband joined us as well. Um, so it was just it was just the three of us. But um, but actually, it was great fun. We laughed an awful lot. We cried an awful lot about the blisters on our feet <laughs> and, yeah. the, and our aching limbs. Um, but on the second day, we got to we got to meet the children from the preschool. They all came to meet us at the start, which was so nice because they were so grateful for what we were doing and um and it sort of brought it all home as to why we were doing it so um it was a bonkers suggestion but we did it we we, we got on with it um and, and it was well worth it so I'm sure there'll be more she wants she did she wanted to do it's a knockout last year whilst uh, I was on maternity leave so I had to bow out of that one but uh... <laughs> what a shame <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my goodness yeah that is that is good I mean I bet I bet you got to know her so well in that time though that you spent as well to really understand more about her and you know after when when was it you did the the walk um gosh it would have been two years ago yeah yeah two years yeah two September two years so um so a few years already into knowing her but then just that extra uninterrupted time hopefully did she have to put a phone away or was she on the phone a lot I just can't imagine how she had that time you know what she she actually she actually did put her phone away for quite a bit of the time which was which was great yeah because <laughs> her phone does not stop it's um sort of one of the challenges of you know when she calls I know I need to answer because it might be if I miss that call I won't get her again for you know yeah. another day or two so um but yeah, so as we were walking the canal, she actually wasn't on her phone too much. <laughs> yeah, and probably we very were... good mentally for all of you, yeah. wasn't it, as well? Yeah, definitely. No, it, yeah. was, it was beautiful and it was lovely. And the Kennet and Avon Canal pops up all the way across the constituency, but it was definitely the, the, the longest um, stretch of it I'd ever been exposed to. And it was great. It was, uh, yeah, it was good fun. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So... What advice would you give to anybody who is looking to move into an office management role and what have been your learning opportunities so far? So um, I would say in terms of moving into an office management role, always keep an open mind because um, you could end up in in any industry. You know, as you know, hosting these podcasts, you talk to a lot of people. Um, I think if you if you have um, if you have a sort of skill set, which means that you can multitask and that you enjoy taking responsibility for things and and getting things done, then I think office management is is a really good good place to be. You can then tie that in with other interests. So for me, um, politics was was always something I was really interested in. So I've ended up in my dream job, really. Um, so yeah, so I think keep an open mind um, because if you like office management, you can end up in any industry in any sphere it's it's a great career to take you absolutely anywhere yeah absolutely that that is the thing because it is so transferable isn't it and and you generally have the kind of same tasks somewhere or thereabouts within each of those roles but the sector can be like you say your passion and your interest within that within that part of it so and what about your learning opportunities what what have been some of the, the bigger learning points for you so far so I think um learning learning to manage people rather than just objects is is always a learning curve and I don't think you ever fully become the finished article because 
people are always completely unique. So just when you think that you've nailed it and you've got your team running really well, someone will come in and say, I've had a great job opportunity and I'm actually going to leave. And you think, oh, <laughs> and then you end up with a different employee, which changes the dynamic of a team. So as a manager, you then kind of start again. Um, so, yeah, so I would say one of the biggest learning opportunities um, is, is um, realizing that you're kind of never really the, the, the finished article, that you're, you're always learning um, and that people are always different and that one thing that has worked with one employee might not necessarily work with another. So being adaptive and being able to change and being able to, to talk to people and not just to listen, but to hear what people are saying um, and really understand how you can be a boss and a manager um, and get the most out of them, I think is probably the biggest learning curve that uh, that I've had. There's there's a big difference, isn't there, between leading and managing and inspiring and motivating and organising and structuring and, and those kind of things. So it's a, it's a really good one and something that a lot of people in office management do eventually go to, especially with growing companies and involving companies, they end up managing um, or even even if not, even if you don't have direct reports, you are still managing to a degree because you've got people elements there all the time and you're part of the culture. So, yeah, it's a really, really good one. What about your success stories and accomplishments? What are your proudest moments, Laura? So I think probably one of my proudest moments was is is always going to have to be the, the 2019 election campaign. Um, we'd had a year of, it was quite hard, you know, nothing was really happening. Everything was getting stalled in Parliament. We were absolutely jammed with correspondence. We were working really late hours to try and get responses to people and and a lot of the time there weren't really answers because parliament wasn't moving and we could see this general election coming down the line but no one quite knew when and then it sort of ended up happening in december which was so tough it was so cold <laughs> it was so dark um and so we you know we sort of switched and as a as a parliamentary staffer you're not obliged to um to help in election campaigns but i chose to take my annual leave to use for for the campaign um and uh, you know and i wanted to support my boss so to see her re-elected after you know sort of six eight weeks of you know 6 a.m starts finishing well after midnight um is, uh, is, is always going to be one of the biggest achievements when the exit poll came out and, and we knew that we were sort of doing quite well it's uh I burst into tears <laughs> with relief um so that that's 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 always going to be a big achievement but every day in this job you're given the opportunity to have sort of small achievements for individuals um and that is that is so rewarding you know it's from people managing to move people within their housing banding if they're in the wrong housing banding and they're stuck in the wrong house if you manage to get that sorted you know that's a huge win um people with visa issues we get um issues with sort of medical services doctors people who've had a bad experience in hospital you know we're sometimes able to, to help with that so um you know we see a huge huge range of stuff and to be able to help all of those people to make a difference is is always always gives you the opportunity to have that kind of feel good factor at work every day yeah go home and, and sleep well knowing that you've made someone's life a little bit easier or brighter or whatever it might be 
Yeah, it must be incredibly rewarding. I mean, my mind is just blowing at the scale because there I am thinking, you know, 20 years in office management career and all the problems I've had to solve for people within an office environment. And sometimes that's a thousand people that I've had under my remit. But you're doing that, albeit, you know, it's a smaller office, but we're doing that, managing the staff, managing a very, very busy diary that, that has to be spot on and I expect seamless and smooth as because of the level in which Michelle's operating at and her duties but also then you are almost like a very public customer service type based role where you are mediating and negotiating issues problems solutions for people that you don't even know it's incredible yeah that's that's quite a good way of putting it we are we are sort of very public facing and that's mm. um and that's that's very much by design michelle wants to be like that she wants to be accessible you know we have we have a shop front here um in the town so that people can come and see us when they want to so and and the constituency i think at the moment there are about seventy six thousand constituents that she represents so um we could be dealing with any number of those. Um, I haven't actually, we're, we're about to run off some, some end of year stats for, um, I haven't got to hand at the moment, but it's, it's, it's a phenomenal amount of correspondence that we deal with. And we, we, we section it off. We do, we talk about correspondence and we talk about casework. So correspondence is generally the sort of policy stuff, but casework is the more, much more sort of personal, you know, people come to you with a, with a real problem to sort out, but yeah, we do. We do a lot. <laughs> My goodness, you must hopefully sleep well at night from exhaustion and, <laughs> and reward and satisfaction and all these different things. When, but yeah, when my son lets me, when my I've got a got a one year old. Oh, yes, yes, because you not long um, came back from maternity leave, didn't you? Was it earlier this year? Yeah, came back in uh, in October. So, mm. uh, but my my boss and I had uh, both had sons within six months of each other. So that's. That's great because we have this sort of a bit of um, understanding there of the sort of unique challenges that come with with motherhood in the workplace as well, and sons. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dealing with baby boys. Yeah, you yeah. can share you can share tips and, and all sorts, which is really helpful. <laughs> and you've then got that understanding, like you say, haven't you, of where you're at and what what you've both been going through. So, so a final question from me, given all of the different stakeholders that you deal with within your role how do you approach building positive relationships with them and maintaining those within the constituency and, and the office that you work in so I, th I think probably to go back to something I said earlier about acknowledging the fact that not everyone's the same and working out what people want from you because um, if you can work that out and you can deliver it you're going to keep them happy but it, fundamentally if you if you're if you don't understand what they're asking of you and you don't know what they want then then you're kind of never going to keep them happy so we sort of we tend to sort of quite quickly try and drum down on what it is so certainly when someone comes to us and wants to speak to Michelle or wants to meet with Michelle we try and work out quite quickly what the sort of crux of the issue is and how we can fix it some people are going to want that fixed like yesterday some people are very happy to wait for um, a sort of longer more in-depth response so so I think definitely in terms of keeping people happy it's working out what they want in the first place um, is is really really important and keeping in touch with people we do a, we do a lot of kind of 
outreach. Um, we have an e-news that we we send round to people. We regularly go and visit visit businesses so that they can feed into Michelle, you know, their experiences of, of the economy and how things are affecting them. Um, and then hopefully <laughs> we try and keep them happy because because they're given an opportunity to have their voice heard. So um, yeah, so I think I think working out what it is people want um, and making sure that you have strong open lines of communication with them is key to keeping people happy. Mm. It's for me. It's always that beginning, middle, end, isn't it? If I come in halfway through or near the end, I need to understand that whole process. How did it start? Where does it want to go? And what's happened in between? Or what? What's the objective? To then be able to really comprehend what it is that I need to do, what it is that I need to get other people to do, and who I'm reliant on to do it. And I imagine that's similar to to this, where if you know what someone's wanting to achieve, like you said, what the outcome is that they really want to get you can work backwards to come forwards and support that. So yeah, absolutely agree. Well, listen, thank you so much for being a guest. I have really enjoyed this because I am not particularly political. I don't know too much about it. I'm one of those that doesn't read the news or newspapers and things. I'd rather just be blissfully, ignorantly happy, but... (laughs) A lot of people are, a lot of people are. Um, We we do sort of live in this mysterious little bubble where... uh, um, you know we go off into the palace of Westminster and we think what do they do in there (laughs) (laughs) the hive of activity yeah exactly it just always looks so glam and just you know and it's and it's so like old English as well isn't it it's not always glam I tell you when I'm pulling on my wellies and trudging around farm visits and uh, we went to go and see a sewage farm actually not that long ago so um, you know it's it's not always uh, the twinkly lights of the Palace of Westminster. It's uh, everything in between. <laughs> yeah, which is an office manager's life, isn't it? Yeah. Really, hands down, <laughs> toilets and all of that. So yeah, <laughs> nicely circled yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Laura, thank you so much for being a guest. I really have enjoyed getting to know you better and finding out more about your role and your experience. So thank you for giving up your time. No, real pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Whoa, 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 don't leave us just yet, listener. I want to share with you a quick reminder. If you don't know about this, then you absolutely need to have a look into it. And if you do know about them already, it is time to put yourself out there. The Office Management Awards are back for 2024 and we need your help. You can nominate anybody in your company globally for an office management award and if you are the office manager or responsible for office management within your business put yourself forward and enter for an award there are 10 categories to choose from ranging from office manager of the year to international office manager of the year hybrid office manager so for those who are in perhaps an assistant and office management role or an HR and office management role there's culture champion of the year sustainability champion project of the year there are loads to choose from and you can enter for up to two awards this year If you're nominating, there's also the option to nominate your favourite service provider and or suppliers. And we really, really do need your help in saying thank you to the businesses that help you run your business. So now is your time. Go ahead, drop over to our website, www.theofficemanagementgroup.com forward slash the hyphen awards. That's theofficemanagementgroup.com forward slash the hyphen awards entries and nominations must be received by sunday the 10th of march at midnight uk good luck